The Champions League show on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is your home for the Champions League, the EPL, the NBA, college basketball, and the XFL. Use the promo code SGP and get up to $1,000 in free bets. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid at MyBookie. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paperhead providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by Roman. If you're struggling with ED and you don't want to wait for treatment, get effective ED prescriptions without having to visit a doctor. Go to getroman.com slash SGP for a free online visit and two-day free shipping. That's getroman.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest-growing daily fantasy site on the planet. If you use the promo code SGP, you get a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's monkeyknifefight.com, promo code SGP. Hey guys, you're listening to the Champions League show here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. Follow me on Twitter at LockBetting and check out my website, LockBetting.com, where we had a very, very solid weekend with our soccer picks. Was that a good weekend with college basketball? But unfortunately, all of these profits were wiped out with a bonehead four unit selection bonehead in retrospect on Dante Wilder to beat Tyson Fury we don't run we don't hide we are not in hibernation at this point in time off the back of that play we took straight to Twitter to apologize for the podcast and um the pick of course Jeff Cohen not as responsible as me for this one because you can hear him on the show and with my conversations prior to recording with him, I knew that he was very much going back and forth and was of the mindset, like many people, that Fury could could avoid that big shot for 36 minutes and could win this fight on points. That was pretty much the takeaway from everybody. But if he couldn't, then Wilder would connect with that big right hand and it didn't matter how many rounds he'd lost and both of us expected him to lose most of them, then it would be night's night for Tyson Fury. Unfortunately, that didn't transpire. And of course, my reasonings for, for taking Wilder were pretty straightforward. I loved the play simply down to the fact that he needed one second, one solitary second in that fight and in a boxing match, which lasts for 12 rounds, you have a lot of seconds, a lot of seconds in order to make that a reality. In fact, you have 2,160 seconds and you only need one second to win that fight. Tyson Fury, in my theory, needed all of those 2,160 seconds to avoid that shot and be right and be perfect and win that fight. That was the takeaway going into it. But unfortunately, it didn't end up like that at all. The big winners, obviously, in this situation were the bookies. There were two ways for them to make a lot of money. Dante Wilder somehow winning on points and and coming into this and mastering incredible boxing skills in that short camp. Or Tyson Fury coming in and developing knockout power 
that he hadn't shown throughout his entire career. The latter happened. Now, I don't want to make excuses here because, as I said, I've gone on Twitter, held my hands up, said that was a poor, poor take. We were completely on the wrong side of that one, and we apologise. Now, I'm not often on the wrong side of stuff. Sometimes we can have losses, but during this month, they've been the type of losses where you just really can foresee the breaks being handed out that way. Um, three NHL losses this month that we've had, all of them have been on overtime games. That's a bad break. It's not a bad break to lose a game in overtime, but it's a bad break to lose three in a row in overtime in what's essentially a toss-up situation. This wasn't a bad break. This was a bad pick, and there's a big difference between those two. And as I said, don't want to make excuses, but you could look at this fight and say that the turning point was down to an illegal punch by 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 Tyson Fury in the back of the head. Also, within that scuffle, there was a shot that landed to the ear. This is a clean shot, obviously. But when you're betting a pick here and you, you know that the guy that you are betting on is going to get dominated in the rounds because he's the worst boxer. He's not as good as Tyson Fury at the skills required to, to box. We knew that coming in. We, we didn't say Dunstan Wilder was a better boxer. We knew that he would lose rounds. What you cannot account for is somebody's eardrum being busted and destroying their equilibrium, making it impossible for them to, to tee up and land the right hand that you are counting on for your entire bet. Burst eardrums and a loss of equilibrium did not factor into our plays at all. That in itself is a bad beat. So when you're looking at the turning point being an illegal shot, which was clearly an illegal shot. You can see it and go back and watch it. I'm not making it up. And the fact that the guy's eardrum got burst and destroying his equilibrium, then everything that you put out at the beginning all of a sudden becomes invalidated because there's only going to be one winner when you're fighting a, a guy who can't keep his balance going up against a guy who's the better boxer and can just pick his way through the fight. And he did. He, he didn't stop Don Wilder. The towel came in because it was pointless carrying on. And for those people that are saying the rematch is pointless, you're wrong. You're wrong about that. A lot of people saying there's no point. Let's move on to, to Fury versus Joshua. Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Fury versus Joshua. A lot of people saying that. And that's not necessarily the case because when the rematch happens, if it happens between Wilder and Fury, it's going to be the same situation coming in. Obviously, the prices are going to be very different. I wouldn't be surprised if Tyson Fury walks into that fight as a minus 300 favourite, which will give you Deontay at plus 200 or even bigger, maybe, maybe plus 250. I think that's what it would be. But it still doesn't change the dynamic of the fight coming in because he's still going to be a guy that only needs to land one shot to win the fight. And bearing in mind, and barring, sorry, the fact that his equilibrium will not be destroyed by a shot to the eardrum or a illegal shot to the back of the head and that really is down to the referee um, they employed a top referee for this with a lot of experience and I didn't understand how Kenny Bayliss allowed a lot of that stuff to happen where the where there was a lot of rough em up stuff going on and I don't want this as I said at the start I don't want this to to, 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 turn, to turn into excuse city where we're just coming on where I'm coming on and saying yeah we would have won that play but we would have won that play but we wouldn't have won that play but there's no there's no guarantees that Wilder would have landed that shot he didn't look good really from the very beginning he looked like there was something wrong with him 
again, sounds like another excuse, but there's a lot of factors that went into Tyson Fury winning that fight that convincingly. If you look at fight number one, it didn't really have that kind of convincibility of, about it at all. So how can they go from one fight to the other? Some people will say more time for training and and he had he worked him out from the first fight and simply needed to just come in and, and do what he did first. Yeah, it's fine being uh, Monday morning quarterback and telling us exactly how you knew it was going to break down. But from my perspective, all I saw was every single boxing expert going one of two ways. They were giving the fight to Fury on points or they were giving it to Wilder via knockout. There wasn't any other opinion out there. Everybody dismissed this this Tyson Fury knockout. Everybody dismissed it. Nobody took anything he said seriously in terms of putting on weight, planting his feet and, and stopping Don's Wild. Nobody did. And perhaps they should have. Or perhaps this is just merely a pure coincidence with some very bad breaks for those that bet on Wilder in terms of Wilder not coming in right, maybe having a legit leg injury, maybe being hit with an illegal shot, maybe being totally affected with his equilibrium being destroyed by the burst eardrum. All these factors fell into place. And as we sit here on Monday morning, Tyson Fury looks like a genius who, who absolutely predicted the outcome of this fight and no one listened. And Vegas cashing again. That, I mean... I can't talk about it any more than that because this is not even a boxing show. This is a Champions League show and um, we should move on to the Champions League. But this was the only opportunity, really, that I would have to, to talk about it and I wanted to do it as soon as possible. It had to come on one of my soccer shows. I don't have any immediate fight show content coming up. I believe the next time we may do one will be near WrestleMania time. But even that will require some convincing in order to deliver that show to you guys because... It's, um, it's always a battle to get you a WWE show out, despite the fact that it delivers profit, despite the fact that it may be WrestleMania. So we move on to the Champions League here. Uh, the Future Show was put out last week, and there's still a lot of valid stuff on that. So if you do want to go and check that out, please go and do that, because um, we, we did predict who qualifies in, in quite a few of these ties last week and um because obviously that was the overall the overall take on things in terms of whom qualifies in terms of who may potentially win this tournament and um in fact going here this week uh, these aren't really teams that I like to win the tournament despite the fact that we have more glamorous ties here of Chelsea Bayern and and Real Madrid going up against Manchester City these aren't really teams that I think can will win this competition this year. I mean, Manchester City are the favourites to win it, but I just don't see how they win this competition. But we'll get to that game when we do. Before we start, let me take a second out here to talk about the sponsor here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and somewhere where you can bet all of the picks here that we're giving out here on the Champions League show, and that is my bookie.ag. Use the promo code SGP for a deposit bonus of up to $1,000. They have XFL lines, tons of college and NBA to bet on, and they are a great resource for in-game wagering. Deposit and withdrawal using Bitcoin for lightning-fast payouts. That's mybookie.ag, the promo code SGP. 
also want to take a second here to talk about Ace for people that have ever thought about starting their own sports book but didn't know how. Ace Payhead is here to help you start your own sports book and they'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all lines updated to the second and wages graded immediately. They got top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace offers a live betting and amazing mobile betting experience to get started today. Ace is offering up to six weeks for free. Just go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. So here we go. First game here on the for the Champions League this week, and it is that Chelsea versus Bayern game. Looks like a very entertaining game on paper, but for me, I can only see one team qualifying from this tie. And if Chelsea are to have any chance of qualification, they are going to need to take a positive result to Bayern Munich. Unfortunately, they are 7-2. to two. Really big underdogs here to, to get this done. It's 3-1 here for the draw, and it's 4-5 to five here on Bayern Munich. Now... I tipped this last week at better price than this. Um, it was available around about 10 to 11. So there obviously has been some money here on buy. And I think if you shop around, you may be able to get it around about that e that region. I think the even money is gone. I think that was scarce last week anyway. But I think a lot of people like buying here just to get this tie done in the first leg. I think I'm one of them as well, despite the fact Chelsea did beat Tottenham at the weekend. They haven't been very good at home. Um, I think their biggest hope for a trophy may lie with the FA Cup this season and they're lucky to be playing against a Liverpool team, in my opinion, that are very likely to rest players, especially with what happened in the Champions League here against um, in the last last time out against Atletico. They're going to have a difficult task getting through now, so they may want to rest their players in and around that and I just cannot see them going all out for an FA Cup tie so that's going to really benefit Chelsea um, in order that they're going to get a very weak Liverpool team in the last 16 of the FA Cup in addition to that they're the biggest route the clearest route through sorry to the Champions League will be through the top four a position that they currently hold at the moment three points clear of Man United who do look like they're getting some kind of run together so this really could be more of a distraction I'm not saying that they don't want to go through here but I believe that if Bayern are to win this, um, or maybe even win this by by two or three, we're not going to see a, a strong Chelsea team here in the second leg. I think Chelsea may relinquish their hopes in this competition here and concentrate on more realistic options. But if they can get a positive result here, much like Atletico did last weekend, much like Dortmund did last weekend against PSG, then we may see them going for it. So there may be some value there in the 7-2 if you do think that Chelsea can turn over a Bayern team that are not really that consistent and they do concede goals and will probably concede goals here. So despite the fact I like Bayern as a pick, I think it would be even safer for me to take over 2.5 goals in this game because Chelsea could easily concede three but they could also quite easily contribute towards this tally against a Bayern team who scrapped to a 3-2 victory over Paderborn at the weekend and prior to that they had looked a lot better in terms of the way they're winning games and looking convincing and maybe this could be down to the look ahead spot and if that's the case then that's even more reason to take Bayern here but I think what I'm more sure of of Bayern winning this game is for the over 2.5 goals market to cash for you here at 4 to 6 minus 150 um, incidentally the 3.5 is available at 6 to 4 plus 150 and there may even be value on that as well you can also 
parlay together um, Bayern and both teams to score here, which is available at five to two. Again, somewhere else where I think they could be value in this game. But for me, inevitably, um, this is not a winnable tie for Chelsea and they exit the competition at this stage. Up next, we got Lyonnais versus Barcelona, where Barcelona are obviously the clear favourites here to qualify from this tie, um, but not as clear as they, they would have been previously because Barcelona have had a relatively difficult this season, this season, and you would think that they would be bigger than the one to three here to qualify from this tie with Napoli available at nine to four. And that would be also heightened by Napoli's four because they have been very, very poor. This really has been the season where Naples has fallen and um, it's it's been a dramatic fall as well because not only have they gone from not being a team that are any longer challenging for the league here against um against Juve and Inter but they are actually lingering just in the mid-table positions and the Champions League spot is looking very very unlikely to them for them now they have turned around their form slightly in recent weeks but I certainly don't think they're in a position to go through against Barcelona. This is almost the perfect tie for Barca because obviously they have league distractions. They're very much neck and neck with Real Madrid and actually just took over for the um, for the title uh, in the title race this season. They went they went two points ahead after falling three points behind because Real have had two very bad results in the last two weeks. And we'll talk about that when we get to Real Madrid next. But um, for me here in this situation. It's a healthy tie for Barca. Um, the first leg is very, very, very difficult to call because Barca have had quite a bad away record, although it has turned around recently with them winning four of their five Champions League games, and that includes an away win against Inter Milan, where Barca actually won with a lot of second-string players. It was a very, very poor result for Inter, who actually sit 18 points clear of this Napoli side. So that could give you rare reasoning for taking a Barca away win, as could the fact that Napoli have lost four of their five Serie A home games under Gattuso. So this home form and this, this formerly great fortress of a stadium that, that almost guaranteed Napoli were going to get victories here and even as even as a live underdog um, against teams where earlier on in the season they managed to beat Liverpool here as well um, all of a sudden the fortress has very very quickly become a place where Napoli struggled to win in this instance I think that they may rise to the occasion against Napoli and I'm not taking them to win this game but I think they could void a defeat here at four to six. But I think inevitably, much like the tie that we just looked at, Barcelona are the team to get through to the next round because despite the fact that you can make a case for them winning here because of their improving away record at home at the new Camp, there'll be absolutely no competition. So I think here, these are two ties where, where Bayern and Barca will be progressing through to the next round, barring, um, barring dominant home wins here by Chelsea or Napoli which I just don't see happening because both teams don't have strong home records this season up next we look at that glamour tie between Real Madrid and Manchester City um, obviously this was immediately picked out as the tie of the round based on the fact that City come into this as the champions of England and Real Madrid have won this trophy three times in the last four years and obviously the most famous football club in the world. Uh, but they are the home underdogs here and this is largely down to their, their recent form. At one point, this was a 6-4, to 6-4 to game here at Real. 
but now Real Madrid are nine to five just to win the home game. It's thirteen to five on City. Uh, sorry, thirteen to five on the draw, and eleven to eight on City. The qualification odds remain as they were. Manchester City as the one to two favourites, and Real Madrid at six to four. Real Madrid, they look like they were heading towards a La Liga title against the Barca team that struggle away from home, haven't had great results in La Liga. Definitely not the results that will win you the title, whereas Real Madrid were showing more consistency across the board. That all ended in the has all ended in the last 96 minutes of football they've played. The last five minutes against Celta Vigo, they conceded a away goal against them, which led to a 2-2 draw against the relatively poor team that are battling against relegation. And then at the weekend, they travelled to Levante. They couldn't break them down for 79 minutes. And in the end, it was Levante who nicked the game, winning 1-0, putting Madrid two points behind Barcelona in the title race. Now, for me, it doesn't really make too much sense to come on here and point fingers specifically at specific people as to why Real Madrid have had such a bad two weeks. But if you were to look at one factor that has changed over the last few weeks, it has been the fact that Eden Hazard has returned to the site. Now, this does look like a signing that just hasn't worked out at all. Now, a lot of people will point to the fact that he's been injured and maybe he hasn't had a chance, but he actually played a decent number of games in and around those injuries so far for Real Madrid. Looking at um, looking at the number of games that he has played, he's played 18 games this season, 10 of them in La Liga. In all of those games so far for Real Madrid, he scored one goal and has provided one assist. He's been involved in two goals for Real Madrid so far this season in 18 games. So you could really point to that and say, yes, there's enough statistical data there to say that he has been a failure. And yes, when he comes in to this side, all of a sudden, it has resulted in a significant downturn in form. A lot of people also have pointed the same finger at Anton Griezmann and said that he hasn't really worked as a signing either for for Barcelona. But when you actually analyse Griezmann's numbers, especially when you compare them to Hazard, he's played 34 matches and scored 13 goals and has provided four assists for his team. So has an involvement in 17 goals in 34, which means every two games he's involved in a goal and has scored 13 of them. Playing in exactly the same position because neither men are the key centre forward of their team, to be fair to them. They are all, they are both wide players. You'd have to say that if Griezmann's a, a flop or, you know, hasn't, hasn't worked out as well as Barcelona were hoping, then what the hell is Eden Hazard? This is a disastrous signing. Even after 17 games, you can summarise it as a disastrous signing. It was disastrous from the very beginning. It was disastrous from when he turned up for the presser. And Madrid fans were, were mocking him about his weight and wishing that they signed Mbappe or Neymar or urging their ball to do so. And some people can just turn around and go, these are typical Madrid assholes. These are the biggest asshole fans in the world. And this is what they always do. And they're consistently and they're consistent with doing this. But Look at the mo look at where we are at the moment. They do look like they've got a point because this guy has terrible stats. He comes into the team after a long layoff, does nothing, which is consistent with his numbers for the whole season where he has done nothing. And uh, not only that, but they, they can't score any goals. They they labour to two goals 
last weekend against Celta Vigo. And this weekend, they can't break down the Leganes team who end up beating them in the end. So this is all very, very disappointing for Real Madrid and, and for us as Madrid backers into the Liga season for two units. And uh, it, it did look like that they were going to to move on and win that league and and cement it almost on, on March the 1st when they play the El Clasico. But here, that's not really looking like that. And you've got to wonder how much of a distraction is the El Clasico going to be as well, seeing as that's their next game at home. Um, or is this going to be a motivating factor of these two defeats? Is Zidane going to get these teams together and say, look, we're at home for two games, two complete sellouts, the two biggest games of the season are now, and we need to get up to them. And it'll also be interesting to see if Eden Hazard even figures in those at all, because for me, I think Gareth Bale is, is a far better option. I think going with, with, with what you know at the moment, I don't think Isco and Bale are better players than Eden Hazard, but Eden Hazard, it just hasn't worked out for him at Real Madrid. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the summer uh, and possibly even return to, to Chelsea, who obviously don't have a transfer embargo placed upon them at the moment. But there'll be interest from other sides as well. I just don't think it works for him here. Um, we obviously have a few more months to see what happens. And if Real Madrid are going to win the title still, he's going to have to be key because he's not going to be he's not going to be dropped. And I think it's pure speculation that he will even be dropped here. But these are two these are two games if he does play them, where he's going to have to turn up in big matches. And as much as Real Madrid fans criticise Bale and his contribution to the team and they don't want him and they refer to him as the golfer he turned up for you guys in the Champions League final he delivered you a Champions League in fact Bale was consistently turned up in nearly every big game he's played for his club and for me he has to be the selection here the script is almost written that he produces something here against an English club and I also think Real Madrid are an absolutely huge price here to qualify against the Manchester City team that aren't exactly a model of consistency themselves, but a team that did look very, very good at the weekend against Leicester. And although they only won the game 1-0, they should have won it by a lot more. And I think what is more key is the way that they set up in that game, which is going to be kind of where we head towards here with our, with our actual bet. Now, everybody, everybody and their dog are going to be looking at the the over here in this game. It's going to be an autoplay. It's going to be one of the most played overs of the season here, and it's available at minus 200. But for me, I'm looking not only at the under um, the under 2.5 here, but I'm looking at the, the extra security here of the under 3.5 because the way this market is priced up, it has made it available simply down to the sheer amount of goals people are expecting from this game. It's 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 borderline on silliness now. As are the odds on Real Madrid to avoid a defeat here on the double chance market, which is available at four to six. Again, as I said, it's borderline on silliness. In order to get that four to six, you are going to have to find a place where, a place where Manchester City are heavier, heavier favourite than 11 to eight. So that four to six will require shopping around. It's more widely available at eight to 13. But shop around, find it. Um, the four to six will be available anywhere where Manchester City are a favourite of, of five to four or six to five, I believe. That'll be the counter price where you can take them as a four to six a four to six bet to avoid a defeat here. I like both here. Um, I like under three and a half goals here at four to seven. I like under two and a half goals here available at six to four. 
and I like um, Real Madrid on the double chance here at four to six. And here's the reasoning for all of this. At the weekend, Manchester City set up in a way that I've seen them set up before. That was against Real Madrid in the Champions League before, where the two teams drew each other. Everybody was pointing up to Goldfest, and this was back in 2016. Everyone was like, Goldfest, Goldfest, Goldfest. The game produced one goal over two legs. It was Real Madrid winning 1-0. In that game, Manchester City did set up with the purpose of containing Real Madrid's top stars, which at the time would have been Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously, he's not there anymore, but there's still a lot of talent on the pitch. And uh, there is proof out there that exists that will tell you that this wasn't solely done for Cristiano Ronaldo because Manchester City have done it in previous years against Liverpool. There was a nil-nil draw with Liverpool against Man City where Manchester City put out a containing formation in order to stop Liverpool's key players being Salah Mane and would attempt to hit them on the counter-attack, which you can do with with fast wingers and especially can do when you have a player like um, Kevin De Bruyne on your your team who's just an out-and-out assist maker. And uh, he will be key in this game, I feel. And I do feel that Manchester City will come into this game with that formation being the 4-1-4-1 formation. Now, the difference between the 4-1-4-1 formation is the fact that it's not a 4-3-3. It can look similar at times to a 4-3-3, but what it means is is that those wingers that essentially make up your four don't push forward as much. Your fullbacks are not urged to get forward in, in twos, so your, your wide players are not going up two at two on each side. And it limits the responsibility of your holding midfield player who will simply be a holding midfield player. Now, this would be easier with a with a tactics board or something. Um, there will be videos, tactical videos coming shortly here on the on the SGP. Just um, looking at a set update for that. I'm hopefully going to have that all ready for the second legs because I really want to get into this before the, the Euro start in terms of tactically breaking things down. It's sometimes a little bit difficult to do on audio format. But what I want you to picture is... A, um, a, a formation here of 4-1-4-1, which is basically four across the back, one holding midfielder, and then four across the midfield, and just Sergio Aguero up front by himself. And contrast this to four at the back and three in midfield with three up top, which would see the players further wide. And in that three-man midfield, you would just see um, one of the midfielders further forward with two acting in a holding role with Kevin De Bruyne being less of a holding midfielder and more of a forward-thinking quarterback and Fernandinho having to drop back. Or in this situation nowadays, Rodri dropping back and doing the defensive work in midfield and often dropping back as a third centre-back and allowing the fullbacks to push forward. Now, in the three, in the three, this discipl- uh, in the in the four one four one formation, this role for Rodri would not be necessary because he would not need to drop in and pick up the ball in the four one four one because his role would simply be to contain. And because of the because of the specifics of the role and where he would be picking up the ball, where he doesn't need to go in and aid and be the third centre back. It often lends to specifically man-marking a player, which means he can go left, he can go right. Whoever Guardiola is identified as a danger man in this Real Madrid team, I think Rodri will be do will be will be assigned to go and pick him up. And it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a an additional holding midfielder played in this team, or if we don't see them go all in with um, with Sterling if he's fit enough to return and Mares 
and and or, or sorry, Gabriel Jesus or Sterling along with Mares on the other side. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I certainly think that going into this game, you will see Bernardo Silva and Mares because they are more inclined to not only playing as wingers, but playing in left midfield or right midfield roles, which is the old school role. And that's the key difference. That is the key difference in terms of how you define these roles and, and what they will involve them doing. If you look at the pitch overall and you draw out a 4-3-3 a and a 4-1-4-1 formation, those key elements are where you place specifically those two wide players. And in this game, I believe that they will be Mares and Bernardo Silva. Now, in a 4-3-3, Bernardo Silva and Mares are going to be up top. They're going to be there uh, getting forward, not pushing back too much. There to help make assists, there to help create attacks. And they'll be supported by the wide players. And there'll be an emphasis on one of the holding midfielders because... We have two of them in this 4-3-4-3 to, to push inside and help defensively and to make sure they don't get caught short. But it will be essentially an all-out attacking formation. With 4-1-4-1, it's actually the complete opposite. Sergio Aguero may be isolated at times. Yes, Silva and Mares will be up to join them, but the fullbacks are not involved in this. So I believe that he will deliberately pick his best defensive fullbacks, which I believe are Mendy and Carl Walker for this game. I believe that they will be responsible for, for sitting in and fully containing, let's say for argument's sake, Isco and Hazard, although I do prefer to see Bale in this team. And it will be their responsibility to contain them. And there may even be a case of where he goes so defensive that Rodri is used to mark one of these wide players, allowing the um, the fullbacks to drop further inside. So making this back four very, very, very flat. And in addition to that, you'll see Mares and Silva working back much more than they are used to. But they are two players that are much more reliable and capable of doing that than, say, for example, a Sterling or a Jesus, who are far more attack-minded players and more suitable to a 4-3-3, whereas, Mar whereas Bernardo Silvas and Mares do have the capabilities of dropping in and playing old-school right and left midfield positions and have even had experiences playing as central midfielders as well. So I do believe that this will be the way that Manchester City go. I do believe the team pretty much picks itself this weekend and uh, this week sorry and that's what you'll see and this doesn't lend to an over game especially when you consider the caution that Real Madrid will come into it as well because they don't want to concede away goals here they don't want to be hit on the counter-attack themselves either and they will go in with this flat back four as well and um, for me, it's one of the strongest back fours in world football with Varane and Ramos at centre-back as well. Carver Howell's been one of the most consistent right-backs for a long, long time. And they're going to go with Mendy over Marcelo, which they've done all season, because Zidane, I don't think, favours the attacking fullbacks anyway and that has been a criticism that has been thrown at him in the past in terms of despite the fact he's Zinazin Zidane and he's seen as one of the greatest midfield players of all time but this guy was an up and down midfielder a lot of people uh, often look at Zidane wrongly when they when they look back on his career or they, or they think back to what he was or what he does. He was a out-and-out central midfield player he wasn't this attacking midfielder that played in the hole and um, 
that's not what he was. And a lot of people think he is because he scored some wonderful goals and he had great ball skills and he made assists. But this guy was an out-and-out midfielder, was was a central midfielder. He made tackles. He he, he was he was a tough man. Um, I mean, a lot of people, when they look at him and think about him being a, a tough guy, they look at him getting sent off in the World Cup final for, for headbutting someone. It's not really where I'm going here with my you know, with an example of identifying Zinazine Zidane as a, as a tough guy. But I look more so at his players and his play in terms of how he would get back and tackle, the contributions that he made at both sides of the pitch, the way he would come back and defend corners, the way he would go up and attack corners. I and mean, this guy was a box-to-box midfield player. And I think he expects the same here from his players as well. There's There's, there's not a player in his team that's going to be able to that's going to be able to get into this Madrid team if he's not willing to to put the effort in. And this is a more workman Real Madrid team than we've seen before, which is why they're able to to sort themselves out and challenge for the league this season, because last year they're a million miles away. But under the more workman-like Zidane, they have been able to improve themselves and he has been able to maximise what he gets out of every player, which is why the likes of Casemiro and Tony Cruz have become absolutely key here in this midfield. And uh, and why we don't see the likes of um, Hamis Rodriguez or, or even Gareth Bale getting as much game time as they probably would in uh, in other teams because um, they would certainly play a lot more. And I don't think Gareth Bale is a player that doesn't put it in on the pitch. I think it's his attitude off the pitch in terms of this whole thing being labelled a golfer and some of the comments that he made and his behaviour during the international week um, with, with in, in the Wales game. Um, that, that's really been a turnoff for, for for Zidane and why he hasn't really got those minutes as much and why he probably does prefer to to play um, Rodrigo or maybe even Isco over Bale. But uh, I think with all of that said and knowing that these teams are capable of, of having these matches where they shut other teams down, they identify what the opposition has and they're cautious about it, especially this being a Champions League first leg. I always, always look at the unders on Champions League first legs anyway. I do think that we're going to get ourselves a cagey game. Look, do you think that Barcelona, sorry, that Real Madrid and Man City are not aware of the publicity that's going around? Do you not think that when this tie came out of the hat, that everybody was looking immediately at Hazard and De Bruyne and Benzema and Aguero and Bale and Isco and Sterling and, and thinking that this was going to be some kind of golfist? Do you not think that the defensive players on this team, which, by the way, there's a squad of 22, and in squads of 22, half of the squad are are geared towards the defensive side of the game, which people forget. So you don't think that the defensive side of these managers were not immediately thinking about in terms of how they're going to score goals, which is almost an automatic when you have certain players on the teams that that players are going to create chances. It's not really something that you can teach in terms of what De Bruyne sees when he pays a pass out and, and what he does with it and, um, and, when Gareth Bale thinks that he's going to go for a 25-yarder that ends up in the top corner. These are instinctive things, but things that are not instinctive are defensive formation, man-for-man marking jobs, containment, breaking forward and trying to hit teams in certain moments of the game. This all comes down to a tactical awareness, and I think nullification is going to be more key and more prominent in this game initially than... The, the sense to get forward and attack and 
don't think that we're going to see something develop here where we're going to see a very clear U score, I score. This may happen in the second leg. It will really depend on what happens here in the first one. But for me, going in, Champions League, first leg, knockout tie, two top teams who do have decent defensive players in their arsenal. Real Madrid possibly carry more of them, but at the other end of the pitch, Man City probably carry the bigger attacking threat. Uh, I just think we may see a nullification of two sides. And as I said, previously, these two teams have, have managed to deliver one leg, uh, sorry, one goal over two legs. That's three hours of football where Real Madrid were able to see Man City through one nil. And you could argue that back then the two teams had even more attacking players and it was even more set up for a goal fest. Whereas here, we've seen it from Zidane. We've seen it from Pep even where nullification is an option and containment, falls into their minds equally as much as as attacking. I think when we're looking at the teams here this weekend, uh, this week, keep saying weekend, apologies, uh, this week, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see, obviously, the back fours, I think, will pick themselves. Uh, Real Madrid are obviously going to go in with, with Carvajal, Ramos, Ferran, and, and probably Mendy, but, but maybe Marcelo. Uh, Courtois will be the goalkeeper. And here in midfield, I think we may see three midfielders who are capable of doing man-for-man -man marking jobs and holding in midfield with with limiting down the, the attacking thoughts here. And that could be Casemiro, Cruz and Modric all in the midfield here. No Hamis Rodriguez, as per usual. And up top, I would probably think they go with Benzema, Menisco and I wouldn't be surprised to see Vinces, Vinces Jr. getting the nod not only above Hazard, but also above Gareth Bale. Um, that's just my opinion. I just feel that um, the, the, the these two guys will, will drop back and cover a lot more. And as I said, Man City likely to go with Bernardo Silva and Mares because they too will give them that defensive options as well. But I've spent a long time on this game to, to kind of justify my point as to why I feel that these two teams may produce performances to cancel each other out and don't be surprised to see this game decided by one goal here um or possibly just to go back to to manchester with a one or draw i i really don't think that this is going to be the game that it's being built up to be and that's often the case games are often not the games that they're built up to be uh, last one here, Leon versus Juve. I don't want to spend a whole load of time on this because I've used a large chunk of my time here on this Real Madrid-Man City game. Um, Leon, 16-5 underdogs, 5-2 to draw, and 17-2 on Juve. Juve, the biggest favourites to qualify from this round. They are minus 600, 1-6 to go through, and that's for a reason. Leon were quite lucky to get through here. It was a lock play for us getting them to go through to the next round, but that was lucky that that cash because this Leon team have not gone on and moved a step forward. They've not got closer to Paris Saint-Germain. They're not the clear second-best team in, in France like I expect them to be. Um, they're, they're lucky if they get through back through to the Champions League next season based on their league position. And I certainly don't think that they are capable of knocking out this Juve team. They may turn up in the first leg because they do have some relatively decent players. Unfortunately, those players are big match players and don't really show consistency throughout the season. But this is a big match. So will they turn up here and give a spirited home performance and, and take something away from this game? I'm not too sure here. I think... 
given the tactics that Juve would, would go in with and what they would want from this game, I think it would be a containment job where they have the players that are capable of doing that. And from then on, we may be looking at them taking this game comfortably over the course of two legs. But as I said, there are key players on the pitch here. Um, they do have Dembele. They do have Corne. Um, what they who they don't have is Memphis Depay. And Memphis Depay will be a massive loss because he was a very, very key player for Leon. Um, he was leading the revival that they had after the change in management. And obviously, he's a key player for the Netherlands in the Euros as well. And I think he's going to miss that as well. So he's a big, big loss. He was a player that could have possibly caused some damage to Juve in this tie. But without him, I think Juve here win this first leg and that will prospectively end the tie. Um, I certainly think Juve qualify and uh, I certainly think there's a possibility that this game goes uh, goes under the total here of under 2.5 goals, which is the underdog price here. And it's available at even money here. And that would be my tip for this one. Closing out with the lockdog parlay of the show, almost feel obligated here with the amount of time I spent on the game to take something from the, the Real Madrid-Man City game. And I will do, not through obligation, because that's stupid, but simply because I, I, I feel like I understand the pattern of play the most in that game. I have a strongest, strongest feeling towards that game in terms of how I think it will develop. And I think caginess will be the order of the day. Uh, ignore the publicity, stay away from all the hype, the big names and everything and everything you see in the next two days. Take the under, take the fact that these two teams will have identified the key players on each other's teams and nullification will be the key. Uh, for safety, take under 3.5 goals in this one you should cash relatively easily I think um, you may be sweating minus 2.5 uh, under 2.5 a little bit more because there's obviously the possibility that this game could be a one or draw but I'm not looking for either team to break out into a 2-0 lead here I think this game will be well alive going to the second leg which is why I, I liked Real Madrid here in the double chance and also like them as a as a big underdog because in terms of personnel there isn't too much between these two teams if I was writing my sportsgamblingpodcast.com article for this one in terms of putting out combined 11s I think you'll be surprised as to how many Real Madrid players will be in it I think Looking at it here in my phone, um, I can actually see that when I did do it, it ended up being five players from Real Madrid and six players from Manchester City. So very, very, very tight there in terms of who we go for there in the in the combined 11, meaning that this is a very, very tight game. And probably there isn't too much justification here as to why Manchester City are the, the, one, the one to two favourites or even why they're favourites to win this Champions League overall. Before we close out, let me take a second here to talk about Roman. Roman are another sponsor here on the SGP now. And if you were to guess on average how many days people in the US have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Well, the answer is Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in a major US city. Well, please keep your hands off our NHS because uh, we don't have to wait anywhere near that amount of time. If you're dealing with a condition, for example, like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. So make sure you head over and check out Roman. 
These guys have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state from the comfort of your own home. They make it easy and convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab the photo computer and complete a free online visit and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you for free within two days. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime and you have any questions to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel at any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash SGP for a visit and free days to shipping. That's getroman.com slash SGP for a free visit and two days of free shipping. We are also brought to you here by Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight are the fastest growing daily fantasy site on the planet. And if you use the promo code SGP, you get a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's monkeyknifefight.com and the promo code SGP. That's monkeyknifefight.com and the promo code SGP. I'll be back this weekend with the EPL show. It'll be available earlier than usual on Thursday, and that'll be the same moving forward. And also check out my article on the sportsgamblingpodcast.com website site where I'll be breaking down my EPL predictions and giving you the team of the week for the game of the week. Over at lockbetting.com, the European show will be available again at the weekend. And don't forget to check out the Europa League show. I got some questions about that this week. People asking me, where is the Europa League show? The Europa League show doesn't go on the SGP. The Europa League show is exclusive lockbetting.com content. You can upgrade for a very small price for the podcast package, just $15, and you can get yourself the Europa League show. But if you want all of the picks, upgrade to the top package with a track P&L. The P&L can be seen for free every month on the lockbetting.com website. And the lot record on that Europa League show, by the way, is seven. 7-0 for the season. We won again with our pick last week. 7-0 so far. It is a top show. Make sure you check it out. Europa League show on the lockbetting.com website. That's it for me in this edition of the Champions League show. Good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening, guys.